Hey, my name's Jeremy, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Shelter Cove. And I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I firmly believe you're going to be encouraged, you're going to be inspired, but most of all, that God's going to do something through this message that's going to move you closer to Jesus. Thanks again for tuning in. Hello, we are glad you're here. I want to give a shout out to those joining us online. So glad that you're tuning in with us today. I did introduce Anthony as one of the pastors because church, he recently was licensed as a pastor. He got his Masters of Divinity over from Liberty University. So come on church, show him a little bit of love. We are proud of you, man. Uh, it took a little Thanks. bit over three years, which is awesome. A lot yeah. of hard work, a lot of mm -hmm. studying. And uh, yeah, super excited to be up here with you teaching today. Hey, if you have your Bibles, meet us in Proverbs 17, 17. If you don't have a Bible, we have you covered. Raise your hand, one of the ushers will get one to you. As always, feel free to keep this copy if you don't own your own Bible. Page 540, if you're looking for Proverbs 17, 17. And we're in the middle of a series uh, titled Not the Same, and we kicked this off Easter weekend looking at the reality when Jesus comes into our life, it changes absolutely every area of our life. So week one was not the same person, then not the same marriage, then not the same mindset. Last weekend was not the same parent. Next weekend will be not the same employee, but today we're looking at not the same friend, and we're looking at Proverbs. Solomon wrote these. Uh, the Proverbs are principles, not promises. Mm. They're principles for everybody that wants to live a godly and blessed life yeah. because if we live a godly life the reality is we will be blessed so with that said let's stand as we always do to honor the reading of god's word proverbs 17 17 may i do the honor sir please in english yes good um proverbs 17 17 a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity let me pray for us god you are good you are wonderful you are fantastic Thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to remember how good that you are, Father, and that your heart, we get to see it in eight billion different ways in every person that you've created. God, allow us to have room to love people that don't look like us, that don't think like us, and allow us, God, even more to be challenged in this moment how to love those people that we call our friends. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat, everybody. Uh, if you have a seat belt, Buckle in, because uh, it's going to get wild and it's going to get crazy. And the joke there is there are no seatbelts. Unless you're watching online and you're like, you know, driving, then welcome. <laughs> this is going to be fun, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> are going to have fun today. This We've is only be messed awesome. it up three times in a row. Three for three. There's no way we can do it a fourth. <laughs> you guys are here with us. You're going to make it better. Um, so we're talking about friendships. And before we dive in and talk about what Solomon's writing here, I want to ask you a personal question, uh -oh. Jeremy Oldenberger. When it comes to friendships, culture, what's the friendship that you just love to see play out on the big screen, on the little screen, anything like that? Well, this will probably lower the bar of what everybody uh, thinks of me, but that's okay. It would be Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. All right. Yep. How many of you have seen that yep. movie? Raise yep. your hand. Yep. Yes, they are together in the thick and uh -huh. the thin, and they yeah. just don't give up on each other. The sequel was way better. No, it was not. <laughs> I know. It was I know. not. It wasn't. That's anyway, not my real opinion. Your friendships. Well, who do you uh, admire? Uh, mine is Martin Short and Steve Martin. Anytime those guys are together, it gives me a good laugh. They recently had a Netflix special. Um, but yeah, back to the Three Amigos days, man, they're just... 
They're a good duo. They've been friends for years. That's to my understanding. Yep. Yes, and you got to appreciate The Rock and Kevin Hart, right? Yeah. They just make fun of each yeah. other, laugh at each other. They're like two peas in a pod, whatever, yes. you know? Your other favorite you forgot to mention was Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, right? <laughs> You're right. I forgot to mention that one as well. <laughs> yes. Just but just with The Rock and Kevin Hart, that's pretty much us, right? Yes, it's true. Yep. I'm The Rock. You're Kevin Hart. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because you're funny and I'm buff. Um, <laughs> but church, the two things that really build good friendships, it's these two things. It's shared experiences and it's common interests. Mm. Those two things are what establish and build up any good friendship. When we were getting ready for this message, you know, started looking on paper, the things that Jeremy and I have been through, done together, both enjoy coffee. Yep. I'll see you at the coffee shop studying for the weekends. And you're acting like you're studying. Yep. Exactly. Trying to look good. Um, and then uh, also we both love sushi. Mm -hmm. If you've never had sushi with this guy, it's a different journey. Um, uh, and then also we both Basketball. love the Warriors. Yeah. We played horse yesterday. We did. Wasn't much of a game. Nope. But that's all right. You got me. You beat me there. Um, and then also when it comes to shared experiences, I mean, besides just seeing each other at least five days a week here, also we've uh, spent the night in a hotel together. Yep. Not in a weird way. Uh, we've <laughs> <laughs> traveled a lot together. Traveled. That's much more kind of Went to, to Mexico. Say. Yes, we went to Mexico, built a house together. Actually, I built a house. You videotaped it. Correct. Right? <laughs> just keeping it real here, folks. Um, semantics. That, that was my job title then, okay? Uh, that happened. Let's see what. We went to two conferences together, back to back, Southern yep. California which we took advantage of and went to Disneyland. Disneyland, twice. Yeah. Yep. There's a great. photo of There's us. There's a photo of us, yep. Not much has changed. Yep. You still like camo. <laughs> and we reached out and made a friend at Disneyland. Yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, we're social butterflies. It's not hard for us to go to the supermarket and to walk out with like two new names of friends. Our wives don't like that, but, you know, it's just kind of in our DNA to just reach out to people like that. So we were there for Disneyland for this conference and church. I was so excited. It was like my first time getting to hang out with him. And I'm like, I'm going to take advantage of this and I'm going to show the boss all my Disney tricks and tips. And I'm going to get great FaceTime with him. And then the moment we walked in the gate, this guy recognized us from the conference. And he's like, hey, guys, can I hang out with you? You were like, no, <laughs> no not really. <laughs> we did mean. it. We just said, yeah, man, and let's do this. And then like, you know, an hour in, we're like, man, what do we do? <laughs> How do we get out of this thing? He was great. It was just a stranger. And like, you know, we're excited to spend some intimate times. But um, we, we spent some time on the Splash Mountain together. So here's a photo of that. He's in the brown polo. That's me. Having fun, and then uh, Jay was at the top dancing, dabbing. I don't we know. don't know because my head's cut off again. Again, right? yeah, you're pretty. Josh, used to if you're watching thing. this online, we do love you, and it was good hanging out with you that day. It's true. <laughs> Shared experiences, common yep. interests, yep. two common things for friends, and we could talk so much today about uh, developing friendships, like picking friends. Like you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who you hang out with is who you become. The reality is there is so much written on marriage, so much written on parenting. There's very few books that were literally written on friendship. So what we yeah. want to do is, is look at this from, I believe, Solomon's point of view. And we can not look at it from the perspective of what are my friends doing? How are they acting? How are they mm. treating me? But, but who's the friend that God wants us to be towards yeah. others? And we live in a culture where friendship has become more and more shallow. Wouldn't you agree with that, church? I look at Facebook, and so many of us have friends, and we have no idea who they are. 
We have no idea what they like, their interests. We know nothing yeah. about them, and yet we call them friends. And yeah. so today what we're talking about is being the friend that God wants us to be. So if you have your notes, point number one, four principles that will transform you as a friend, knowing that Jesus is the ideal friend is simply this, a brand new focus. If there's one point we get, it's this one, because everything in the message is anchored to this point, that we need to embrace a brand new focus when it comes to us being the friend that God wants us to be. Yeah. And, and what is a friend? A friend, several things. A friend is someone who knows all about you and loves you just the same. A friend is someone who strengthens you with prayers, blesses you with love, and encourages you with hope. Yeah. A friend is someone who is on the scene when needed and quietly leaves when you want to be left alone. Some people do that really well. They know when to show up and they know when to leave. Yeah. And then a friend is someone who is there when you call and sometimes even before you call. How many of you have had people show up before you even called them just because they care about you and love you? Good. Two of us. Uh, we need some more friends here, right? They do. Um, but, but that's what friends do. And again, we want to focus today on being the friend that God is calling us to be, being the yeah. friend literally that Jesus is. Yeah. It's important to, to take on this new focus, but honestly, I think that that could be the first point of every single weekend message mm. that you hear for the That's rest good. of your life. If we come to the word of God and we just say, oh man, my brother-in-law needs to hear that one today, or man, I don't know why my wife didn't come to church because this one was for her. That shouldn't be our <clears throat> attitude when we approach the scripture. Matthew 7, 5, it reminds us that, yeah, your brother has a speck in his eye, but you've got a log hanging out of your own. So anytime that you come to the word, and again, today in friendship, don't think about how this applies to your friends. Think about how this applies in your life and how you can live this out. No, that's good, man. I, I was uh, talking to a friend a couple weeks ago after the marriage message, and he came up to me in a joking way and said, hey, man, loved your message on marriage. It was great. My wife really needed to hear that, right? It was just funny. I'm like, you know, that was, that was good, you know? Uh, he said it in a joking way. Uh, that was supposed to be a joke. You should have laughed, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> hey, four ways that we can have this new focus on being the friend that God wants us to be. Uh, these aren't in your notes. You can write them down if you want. Number one is prioritize your friendship with Jesus. <laughs> if we're going to be the friend that God wants us to be, the first reality is we have to know and understand that our friends will never satisfy or meet all of our needs. Only yeah. Jesus will do that. And so for us to be the friend that God wants us to, we have to have that primary friendship in our life be anchored with Jesus. Why? Jesus is the only one that will meet all of our needs. He's the only one that will never let us down. He's the only one that truly loves us at all times. Yeah. And that's where it starts. And when we anchor our lives in a friendship with Jesus, then we can be the friend that other people need to experience. The first thing that we need to do is prioritize your friendship with Jesus. Second of all, is take the initiative with others. Now, why is this so important? Because Jesus, again, has taken the initiative with every single one of us. First John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Yeah. And so for part of us being a friend that, that other people need, other people need to experience, is to be the person that takes the initiative with a text message, a phone call, hanging out, spending time, whatever it is. And I think a lot of us fall into that trap of, I'm not going to call them or reach out to them until they reach out to me. That's mm -hmm. not the attitude of Jesus. Yeah. In fact, I was hanging out uh, with somebody a couple months ago and they asked me, hey, I've got a friend going through a difficult time. I've text messaged him, called him. He won't answer the phone. What do I do? And I said, is he at home? And uh, he said, yeah. I said, I'd just go and show up. 
Because that's what friends do. They literally show up. They take the initiative. They don't wait to be called that they go to somebody else because again, yeah. Jesus has done that for us. Thirdly, what yeah. do we do? We sacrifice for others. Sacrifice for others. Again, why? Because Jesus did this for us, church. It says that it, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. So part of being a friend towards other people is putting our wants, our desires to the side and just really focusing on being somebody that cares about others, loves other people. Yeah. That may mean not watching the warrior game. It may mean sacrificing finances to again, be the friend that, that God wants us to be. Again, Jesus has done all of this for us. I mean, when he went to the cross for you, for us, that is the greatest act of sacrifice yeah. that ever, anybody would ever experience. And then lastly, value others for who they are. Now, this is huge because a lot of us will get phone calls from people only when they want something. How many of you know people like that? The only time they call you or text you is when they're asking for something. Now, if we're not careful, we can treat God the exact same way. Don't miss this. Mm. The only time we talk to God, reach out to God, is when we need God to do something for us. And we're loving him and valuing for what he can do and not simply for who he is. One of the greatest things we can do uh, in the way of being a friend to other people is valuing them for who they are. Literally, they've been created in the image of God. Yeah, I think this is illustrated perfectly in the Bible in Mark 2, the four friends and their paralytic friend that they were taking to Jesus. Absolutely. You've got this uh, guy that's paralyzed. The four guys are saying, you know what? We just want to get our friend to Jesus because if we can get our friend to Jesus, his life will change. Yeah. Let me just stop there just for a moment. Can you imagine how different our city would be if all of us had that attitude? Like here's a guy that's hurting and his friend said, you know what? We just want to get him to Jesus because if he encounters Jesus, his life would change. That is yeah. one of my biggest regrets hmm. from my friendships in high school is yeah. that I didn't care enough to get my friends to Jesus. And I can't ever turn back the clock. So here's these guys, they hanging out with their paralytic friend and they go to the house where Jesus is at. The door is jammed with people and they don't do what a lot of us would do. A lot of us would be like, you know what? Jesus is busy. There's too many people. Come back another time. No, they climb up on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. They lower their friend in front of Jesus. He's healed. His sins are forgiven. Why? They were confident of this. If we can get our friend to Jesus, his life would be changed. And it was. Yeah. And so this whole new focus takes place when we focus on being the friend that God wants us to be. Yeah. And we just want to make sure we do everything possible to get our friends to Jesus. Now, here's six reasons why Jesus is my best friend, why he's your best friend. You can write these down. There might not be enough time. You can take a picture of it. I'll put it up on Facebook later today. Why Jesus is my best friend. Number one, he loves me unconditionally and eternally. Second of all, he will never leave me or he will never see me differently. Thirdly, he always wants to talk to me or hang out with me. Mm. Fourthly, he never changes and he is patient and perfect. Fifthly, he never leaves me. And then number six, he will always forgive me. So what would happen if we modeled the footsteps of Jesus? The first thing that we need to do in being a friend is have a brand new focus. Yeah. And once we've captured that, and once we begin to rethink, like no longer is it about the friend that you are to me, but the friend that I get to be to you, then we ask ourselves, well, what does a friend do? Yep. And then this takes us to the second point of new desires. Hmm. Uh, the next word of this passage is a friend loves. 
Um, are you ready, church? <clears throat> this is the three years that I spent getting my MDiv to be able to share you a Hebrew word. Are you ready for it? That word loves, it, me, it, it is a have in the ancient Hebrew. But it sounds like a Southerner saying, I have love for my friends. <laughs> but it's not that. It's ancient Hebrew. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's spectacular. It's a have. It's the same Hebrew word that's used in Genesis 22-2 when mm -hmm. Abraham is being described as loving his son Isaac. For those of you who don't know the backstory, Abraham did not have any kids until he was very elderly. And all the old people were like, oh my gosh, that's scary. Uh, but he had, a, <laughs> he had a son in his old age and he had this this deep love for him. Mm. It's the same word that's used to share the love between David and Jonathan later on in the Old Testament. But this kind of love is different than the love that we have for Taco Bell. Mm. It's different than the love that we have to see the Warriors wrap up another series. It's different than the love to see Tom Brady lose another game of anything. Amen? Which is so important because we live in a culture where we throw this word out, love, and it's so mm. shallow and so superficial. Wouldn't you yeah. agree, church? And we're, we're talking about the ahab. It's, it's a deep love for somebody else. Yeah, it's action. It's a verb. There's something to it. There's a little bit of skin in the game yeah. to show that you're really standing in this. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. He says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And lastly, this verse is huge. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Mm, that's good, man. I love that last verse, verse seven. Bears, believes, hopes, endures. And I love what Paul said. He doesn't say some things, most things. He says all things. Yeah. In fact, Charles Spurgeon will say that these four words, love, bears, believes, and hopes, these are the four greatest companions or virtues of love. And what they do is those, those four words, I think about bears and endures. It, it's this willingness to persevere. It, it hangs in there. It, it doesn't give up. And again, that's what Christ does for every single one of us. Yeah. There's times in our life where... Other people give up on us. We've given up on ourselves, but because God's love is perfect, he never gives up on us. But yeah. it also believes, it also hopes, it also focuses on the future. That's what those two words really mean. In yeah. other words, we're, we're praying and hoping for the best in, in the lives of our friends. Why? Because that's what God's doing for us, believing yeah. And hoping for the best. I think a fun practice too, it's kind of a weird string of logic, but if you apply this, it might challenge you and make you feel a little un uncomfortable inside. So the Bible tells us that Jesus is love, correct? Yep. So if we replace the word love in this here and, and put Jesus is patient, kind, Jesus does not envy or boast, it's nice and it's true and it's affirming and it's awesome. But then if we're trying to pursue Jesus and reflect Jesus to other people, try putting your name in there for a second. That's good, man. If your name's in there and you apply that to your spouse, is it true? If your name's in there and you're applying it to your friends, is it true? Wow. And that's the challenge that we want to walk away with this, is not think about how are other people loving me yeah. well enough, but how am I loving those friends and family members in my life? And I think a, a good way to put love to practice, to, to give it something, we like to love love, but I think love's more of a language. There's a book by Dr. Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. Have you guys heard of this one? Yeah. 
great book. If you go to the Google machine later and you type in five love languages, it'll come up with a little assessment. Did and you, you can just say take Google machine? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. I didn't grow up with Google or anything. Um, <laughs> if you go and look that up and find out your love language, it'll be good and important. But again, with this new focus idea, we want to find out the love language of those people in our lives so that we can better love them and better be kind and better not be rude. All that kind of stuff. And this is so important because we want to know the love language of somebody else. Mm -hmm. You can't love somebody deeply if you don't know them. Say it again. That's super important. You can't love somebody deeply if you don't know them. That's one of the reasons why we spend so much time in the Word of God. We want to, we, because we want to love God deeply, we yeah. want to know Him. And so this is getting to know the language of how somebody else experiences love so we can love them deeply. What are they, Anthony? That was such a good quote. Tweet it. Uh, words of affirmation. Acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and last but not least, physical touch. And these are all pretty self-explanatory. It's just affirming somebody for what they do or who they are. That's the way that you speak love into their life. For other people, acts of service is when you do things that make their life easier. Uh, the dishes, the laundry, mm -hmm. vacuuming, all of that kind of stuff. Receiving gifts, just giving somebody a gift, a gift card or whatever, and saying, hey, this, this is just a token of my love, appreciation for you for yeah. whatever reason that just speaks love to them. And then quality time is just hanging out with somebody, obviously, and then physical touch. It's a hug. It's a handshake. It's a hand on the shoulder, all of that kind of stuff. What's your love languages? My top two are words of affirmation and acts of service. Well, hey, you're doing a great job, and Thanks. I'm going to wash your car after church, all right? What, what? It's raining out, so I'm just going to drive it around the block, all right? Because <laughs> it's the same thing, right? Fair. Yeah, sure. That's okay. <laughs> What's important too for us to catch is once you do learn your friend's love language and you start applying that, yeah. also beware because that also is their greatest way of feeling hurt or feeling pain, especially from you as a friend. If you know that words of affirmation is theirs and you go out of your way to not do that or to do the opposite and to Just curse them or mean, something, yeah. it's going to hurt them even deeper than you know. It will. What's a memorable way that we can just really... Walk away with this, Anthony. Does anyone love tacos? Well, if you love tacos, I love the dirty service like, yeah, come on. <laughs> oh yeah, it's true. Well, if you love tacos, put your hands up because we're dropping them from the ceiling. I'm just kidding. Uh, but here's an illustration of the five love languages via tacos, everyone's favorite. So through words of affirmation, your tacos are delicious. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Acts of service. I made you tacos. Oh, it's getting better. Yes, it is. Receiving gifts. Here's a taco. Oh. It's getting too romantic. Yes. Quality time. Let's go out for tacos together. Oh. And then this is my favorite physical touch. Let me hold you like a taco. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. You didn't know, land. There you go. Yeah. I was thinking about telling my wife that last night, but I realized she doesn't like tacos. She likes taco salad. So I was a little <laughs> bit worried she was going to stab me with a fork, you know? So that would have, like, yes, please. That Thank you. worked very well. This will change every relationship you have. Yeah. This isn't just marriages. You find out the love languages of your kids and speak their language. Wow. It's going to be very tangible for them. Yeah. You find out the love language of your friends. You're going to be able to love them in ways that you've never loved them before. I try to find out the love languages of our staff and know, hey, who do I affirm? Who do I give a hug to? Who do I give um, just a gift card to? Whatever it is, I want everybody in my life to know that they're loved. And this is a very practical way to do that. Yeah. So we have this brand new focus of really focusing on being the friend that God wants us to be and getting people to Jesus. Not only that, there's this new desire to, to love people and love people 
deeply. Thirdly, in your notes is new commitments at all times. Uh, Solomon says, a friend loves at all times. This may be one of the most challenging calls for a Christian. Why? Because we often love people based upon the way that they love us. Hmm. In other words, you love me, I'm going to love you back. That's the culture for a Christian. It's I love you, period, because Christ has loved me, period. So he says, a friend loves at all times. And if you want to know who your true friends are, see who hangs out with you and sticks with you when you're not doing well, when trouble comes your way. Because lots of times our, our friends will just flee very quickly. A, a friend that loves at all time is somebody that's very faithful. Yeah. Jesus put it this way in Luke 6, 32 to 33. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Yeah. He goes on and says, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Jesus goes on and talks about loving your enemy. So again, we're loving people at all times because that's what Jesus does for us. And this is only possible with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We can't muster up enough strength to yeah. do this ourselves. Yeah. There's going to be people in your life that you thought were your closest friends, and they're going to say something behind your back that's just going to hurt. They're going to stab you in the back. They're going to disappoint you. You're going to find out that they lie to you. And what is Solomon saying? Regardless of that, a friend loves at all time. Again, this is only possible when we focus on being the friend that Jesus is to us. And yeah. if there's somebody that understood this, it was Jesus. Yeah. Jesus had Judas that betrayed him with a kiss and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Peter, bless you, one of his closest friends, just trying to be a friend, church. Uh, Peter, one of his closest friends, denied knowing him three times. Even after Peter said, Jesus, I will never do that to you. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross yeah. in the most lonely time of his life. And Peter says, no, I never knew the man three different times. And so if there's somebody that, that knows this to love at all times, it's, it's Jesus. Yeah. And that doesn't mean telling people everything that they want to hear. It doesn't yeah. mean this, this false flattery. In fact, in Proverbs 27, 6, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. There's nothing loving about giving phony and fake flattery. Yeah. But there's something powerful when a friend comes up to you and says, hey, man, I love you enough. Um, I'm going to tell you something that may be really hard to hear, um, but I do it because I love you. Yeah. In fact, have you ever had somebody yeah, do that for uh, you? Yeah, I have a specific time. Five years ago, uh, a friend gave me a call and said, hey, let's go for Starbucks. I can tell you exactly where it was at, exactly where we sat. And we had a very uncomfortable conversation. He approached me and he challenged me and said, hey, your character isn't lining up in this area. And it hurt. It was not fun to go through that. But it made us better friends and it made me a better person. Hmm. Because I think if that conversation didn't happen, I don't think I would be where I'm at today if that didn't happen. So yeah. I'm so thankful that I had that friend in that moment. I wish I could say I was that friend and yeah. I called him out and he changed his ways. <laughs> Haven't had that yet. Uh, really praying for that opportunity. Um, but that friend who did that for me means so, so very much. And really what it comes down to is we need people in our life that tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. Yeah. D don't miss out on that. I've had people in my life that have sat down with me and said, Jeremy, uh, you know I love you, right? And it's like, yeah, I do. What's coming next, right? But, yeah. but when the motivation is love, mm. 
boy, it means telling people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And I have found that my closest friends in life tell me the stuff that I need to hear and not the stuff that I want to hear. They're they're not super impressed by me, but they love me. And boy, those are people that when, when trouble's happening, they don't talk behind your back. They don't stab you in the back. They'll come up in a loving way. And this is what makes it even more challenging is they'll just in a, in a nice way, give you a scalpel and they'll say, Hey, there's something going on in your life. That's not right with the Lord and some spiritual surgery needs to take place. They don't, they don't stab you from the back. They give you the knife and they let you perform that surgery. In fact, it's, it's those times when, when life is difficult at all times where your real friends are going to move in. And that's a friend that I want to be. That's a friend that Anthony wants to be. That's a friend that we want you guys to be because really that's the friend that Jesus is. Jesus didn't always tell people everything they wanted to hear, but he did always tell people the stuff that they needed to hear. There's a time about four years ago, uh, I was down in my office, a difficult season of ministry life. Uh, I was just discouraged. And I remember uh, I was just sitting at my desk and I was, I was crying um, and the door knocked. Somebody knocks on the door and I don't say anything because I didn't want anybody to come in and be like, oh, what's going on with you? Well, it was Pastor Scott and he just came in anyway. And he said, oh, buddy, what's going on? And he didn't say, hey, is this a good time? He didn't say, should I come back later? He just came up right to me, grabbed his arms, put him on my shoulder, said, hey, what's going on? How can I pray for you? Prayed for me in that moment. Why? Because a friend loves at all times, especially the difficult times. Yeah. And so we see this in this where where Solomon says a friend loves at all times, but he takes it a step further and says, and a brother is born for adversity, which is point four. It's it's a new depth. Yeah, there's a a British evangelist. His name is G. Campbell Morgan. You can't follow him on Twitter because he's passed away. And he said on the principle of this proverb, let it be applied. Then two startling questions will arise. First, a question as to whether I am really a friend to anyone. And Mm. second, a question as to how many real friends I have. But again, dealing with this new focus that we're doing, I would then say the question should be, am I really a real friend to anyone else? Mm. And the next part of this section, like Pastor Jamie just said, and a brother is born for adversity. For some of us, we have those family members, that brother, that sister, that mom, that dad, that they are there through thick and thin. Mm. It doesn't matter if you threw a rock through their window, they still want to see you at Thanksgiving. They still have a seat for you at Christmas, right? Exactly. And it's not because they want to throw the rock back at you. <laughs> right. It's just because they love you, you there. that they love much. You. But for some of us that don't have family that, that's clo- that, that is close in our life, we have friends that kind of graduate into this brotherhood, sisterhood for us. There's a quote that I read when we were getting ready that said, a friend is the family we choose to have. That's good. They're those people that are going to be through that thick and thin, not only when it happens to you, but when it happens between the two of you. There's a mutual respect to not give up in that instance. Do you have some friends like that in your life? I I do. You know, in fact, I was thinking recently about uh, my closest friends and why they're my closest friends. And it really comes down to one thing that's real simple. They just love me. Yeah. They've loved me. They've always been there for me, um, especially during the difficult times, even when I'm not always the best friend to them, even when I'm not the kindest to them, the most thoughtful, when I don't take the initiative, I got people in my life that, that, just love me during yeah. the difficult times. And those are my, my best friends. Yeah, and biblically looking at it, there's a story between two friends that, man, did they see some adversity. Sure. 
and that's Jonathan and David. A little background for those of you that don't know, uh, the people of Israel, they didn't have a king yet, and they were finally ruling themselves, and they're like, God, everyone else has a king. When can we have a king? He's like, all right, fine, pick that tall guy. So they got King Saul, was their first ever king. They were all happy and celebrating it. Uh, And then on the side, we had David, up and coming. Usually kingdom goes through the bloodline and uh, Saul had his son, Jonathan, but instead it was Jonathan's friend, David, who was going to be the next king in line. And after one particular war, this is pretty weird. I'm glad we don't celebrate like this anymore. But after coming back from war, all the ladies were screaming out, Saul kills his thousands. And he's like, that's right. I do. And then they're like, and David, his 10,000s. And he's like, huh? What? Excuse me? You're worshiping some other little kid that's not me? That ain't cool. So he grew a hatred for David. He didn't like David. He didn't like that David was up and coming, the new thing in town. He wanted to be the only one. But his son, Jonathan, still stayed faithful to David. Two different times, Saul tried to kill David, and their friendship still stuck it out. Jonathan gave up his armor, he gave up his sword to David, and he wished him well and said, get out of here because I don't want to see you die at the hands of my father. I can't imagine what that would be like sitting down with a friend and warning him, hey, like we're best friends, but my dad's trying to kill you. Or my dad, like we can't really even picture what that is. And the reason why they could maintain this this friendship that was so amazing, it says in 1 Samuel 18.4 that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Yeah. And we do a great job loving ourselves. We just struggle at times loving others. But yeah, I believe that's one of the greatest illustrations of friendship in the midst of adversity that we see in scripture. Yeah, and I I see it matching up with character, with integrity. Uh, We recently brought on an awesome executive pastor of ministries. His name is Ed Kelly. If you haven't met him yet, find him, high five him, headbutt him. Don't do that. That's weird. Uh, (laughs) Almost made you spit your water out. That would have been a good one. Um, So he's a great guy. And like one of his first weeks or two here, he shared a devotional with the staff. And he challenged us in this idea of our character. And, And he broke it down into these three areas. There was public personal, and then private. Public is exactly who you are right now. It's why you bought that t-shirt. It's why you're wearing those shoes. It's why you came to this hour of service. It's why you're sat in the room next to who you're sat to. And then your personal is the moment that you turn into your car and you flip on the radio and then you flip something else at someone who drives and cuts you off. And then you get home and you kick off your shoes and that's where you're private. That's, that's where you're way more laid back. And he was challenging us to be the same in all three areas. Hmm. But I think when it comes to those three areas of character, we've got three relationship examples as well. They're going to be up here on the screens. When it comes to public, uh, that's our neighbor. When it comes to personal, that's our friend. But then when it comes to private, that's our brother. Yeah, absolutely. And Jesus had these kind of friendships in his life as well, didn't he, Anthony? Yeah, he did. He had the 72. That was the public. They had a perception of him. They had an opinion of him. That's where they talked behind his back. But you know what? It doesn't cut me because I don't really care about you either. Sorry, that was rude. He probably wasn't as negative as I just was. Uh, But then when it came to the personal, he had the 12 disciples. And then when it came to the private, he had his three closest friends. And the personal and private are, are really interesting to define the personal 
personal friends, I would, I would say those are friends that you have in your life that come over to your house and they're just comfortable being around you. They're, yeah. they're refrigerator friends. Uh -huh. In other words, they don't have to ask to open your refrigerator, open your cupboards. They just come over, they grab something to eat, they grab some leftovers, all of that. How many of you know people like that? That Yeah, they just come over whenever. Hopefully you know who they are and they're just not random neighbors, right? <laughs> uh, but they're people that, that have the door of your refrigerator. Yeah. Here's where it changes. The private, the brother, they have the door of your heart. Yeah. And they know you. And I, th I think it's only possible to have this deep of a friendship with maybe two to four people where they know who you really are. They know the good, the bad, the ugly. And so we're focusing on being the friend that God wants us to be. But as we do that, God will bring people into our lives that know us. They know the good, the bad, the ugly, and they, they love us anyway. Yeah. And the reality is like a, a brother's born for adversity. We live in such a culture where we are so quick to bail on people, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, you have people, I meet people all the time that are best friends. And then like two weeks later, they're not talking to each other. And we just live in a culture when it comes to our families, when it comes to our marriages, when it comes to our friendships, we are so quick to bail on one another. And the reason that I'm just so thankful for Jesus is that no matter what I do, he will never bail on me. Mm. No matter what you do, he will never give up on you. Yeah. Don't miss this. This is why Jesus is the greatest friend because everything that Solomon talks about here, Jesus has done for you and he's done for me. Yeah. He's loved us at all times, even though we've, we've wanted nothing to do with him. And in the midst of our greatest challenges, that's when the friendship with Jesus shines the brightest. Yeah. And you think about our sin, a sin that, that leads us to separation from God in a place mm. called hell. Mm. Jesus is such a good friend to every single one of us that he would get off his throne in heaven, that he would go to the cross, that he would die in our place, that we would have access to a holy God. This is what it says in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Yeah. That's what Jesus has done for every single one of us so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be free, and so that we can have a relationship with God that's been restored by his son. Yeah. A couple questions we have for you as we wrap up this time. Number one is who will you be a friend to this week? Who will you be a friend to this week? Is it somebody that you're waiting for them to reach out to you mm -hmm. or you just need to take the initiative? In fact, I would encourage you and challenge you, take the initiative with one person this week to send a text message or make a phone call that's just based upon love. Or just tell, tacos. Or tacos, yeah, bring them to tacos, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hold them like a taco with your spouse, <laughs> uh, whatever that means, whatever that look, looks like. Maybe it's somebody in your office that nobody else likes, hmm. and God's calling you to, to just be the friend that they desperately need. Yeah. But then second of all, in your notes, have you entered into a friendship with Jesus? Because what we talked about today is only possible with the Holy Spirit. It's only possible when we're allowing ourselves to be loved by Jesus, where he is our best friend, because Jesus has made everything in life possible. He's forgiven us. He set us free. He's allowed us to be the people that he wants us to be. Let's bow yeah. and let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thanks so much for this opportunity to talk about being a friend today and God, as we focus on this, the reality is there's so many of us have wounds in our lives from the hurt and pain that's been caused by people we thought were our friends. And so today we, we change our focus and 
We ask that you would help us to be the friends that you want us to be. That we would be selfless. That we would model the life of Jesus. And as we do that, God, we trust that you will bring people into our lives to love us, to encourage us, to help us, to support us in the seasons that we need that. Right now, with all heads bowed, nobody looking around, you're here today, and the honest truth is, is, is that you don't have a friendship with Jesus. He's requested a friendship with you every day of your life, and up till today, you've declined, declined, declined. In fact, if you were to die today, you have no idea where you would spend eternity. The Bible says that we can't earn our way to heaven. We don't deserve heaven. The only way to heaven, a relationship with God, is through Jesus, his friendship, his shed blood. And if you're here today and you want to enter into that relationship with Jesus, you can do that. You can cry out to Jesus right now and just let him know, I I receive your friendship, Mm. which means I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I receive your future. I receive your security. I receive what only you can offer me. Just tell that to Jesus right now. The rest of your life would be the best of your life. Again, with all heads bowed, nobody looking around, but if that's your desire today for the first time to enter into a friendship with Jesus, would you just raise your hand? We just want to be able to pray for you wherever you're at. Say, you know what, today I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Good, I see that hand. Is there anybody else today? You say, I want that. Good, I see those hands back there. Is there anybody else? Greatest decision, those hands back over there, right here, right here. Is there anybody else? Jesus is saying, I desire you today, and will you accept him as your friend and your Savior and Lord? Is there anybody else? Awesome. God, we thank you so much for the hands that are raised, hearts that were changed. Help us to be the friend to others that you are to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.